Hello and welcome into episode number two of the Daily Blues podcast. Dan Betlock with you here on 101ESPN.com. We have a lot to get to today on episode two. The Blues called up Clem Coston today from the San Antonio Rampage. We'll get the breakdown from Jimmy Rivers and Anthony Stalter, their, uh, their reactions to Clem getting the call. Tony Luffman of the NHL Network joined Alex Ferrario on our pregame show last night. I'll play that entire interview uh, with you or with Alex and Tony from the NHL Network. Lots to get to around the NHL with Tony, so that's coming up as well. But let's get into that loss last night at the hands of the Arizona Coyotes. A 3-2 loss in the shootout. Nick Schmaltz and Connor Garland scored in the shootout. Coyotes snapped the St. Louis Blues seven-game winning streak in that shootout victory. And I know one of the bigger storylines was the Blues blowing that third-period lead once again. It is now a storyline around this team as it continues to bite them. And I said in yesterday's podcast, I'm not overly concerned just yet. I still think with some of the new players, Falk here, and I'm just not ready to overreact to blowing uh, these leads. They're still accumulating points. They had opportunities to win this game. Absolutely. Uh, Did did the Coyotes steal steal that extra point last night? Probably so. You're not wrong if you think that way. But this league is about point accumulation, and the Blues have done that in all but three games this year. Getting the point last night was big. I get it. You let one extra point slip to the Arizona Coyotes, but you can't win them all, and losses like that are going to happen over the course of a regular season game. Let's hear how it happened. Well, the puck drops at center ice, and the Blues and the Coyotes meet for the first time this season. McEachern just missing the check on to Osterley. The puck is dropped back, and now it's brought to the near wing to Keller. They put it on. Bennington able to make the save. Derek Stepan on the doorstep, and he couldn't bang it home on the first good chance for the Coyotes. Puck kept in on the far side. They give it to Schwartz. One touch done to Petrangelo. Deflected shot on. Dunn trying to get to a shooting spot, and Grabner got the puck in time to get it out. Is playing with jam like better than playing with jelly or preserves? As long as it's got the seeds in there, I'm good with it. I need a got little it. bite on the tee. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, actually. Puck on the left side. Shen drags it in. Shoots it on the rebounds there. And Jaden Schwartz scores. He jammed it home with a little bit of jelly and preserves a Blues lead with 2.47 to go. 47 seconds into the opening period, or rather the opening minute of the second period. On to the right side of Jordan Bennington. Turned away all 11 shots that he's faced. Blues give it up in the middle. The Coyotes go to shoot and score. And Clayton Keller. The St. Louis will bury one on St. Louis ice as the Blues turned it over to the middle of the ice and we're tied 1-1 with 13-13 remaining here in period number two. Well, we've assessed a double minor penalty for high sticking. We will review the play. After reviewing the play, it's determined that the puck was a follow throw on a high stick. There's no penalty. Yep. 5-1-5. Yep. I was going to say that. That's how it works. Exactly. And a 1-1 game gets it out to Sunquist. He gets it ahead. Perico in, shoots, he scores! Just like that, Colton Perico has put the Blues on top, 2-1. To so the puck drops on the third period. The Blues give chase in their own end as it's driven in by Arizona. On their own end, Coyotes right to left, 52 seconds on the power play. Kessel brings it in, they shoot and score. And tying the game up. Is Garland with 14.02 to go in the third period. That's a power play goal for the Coyote. Goes to Perron. He's caught on the play by Soderberg. Cleared out. And Kraus, shorthanded, brings it in. Goes to shoot. Save made by Bennington. 
Krause had a move into the right, and Bennington still kept the pad down. Back to O'Reilly. Drags it in front down low to Petrangelo. To Bozak. Oh, he lifted the shot high. Right back to O'Reilly. To Petrangelo and a one-timer on. What a shot. Right in and out of the glove of Darcy Kemper. And the puck cleared by the Coyotes back into the blue zone. Five seconds to go. Drags into the middle. The shot blocked by Petrangelo. And we're going to go to the shootout tonight at Enterprise Center. Second shootout of the season for the Blues. Third shootout of the season for the Coyotes. Blues are 0-1 in the shootout. The Coyotes are 2-0. Blues elect to shoot first, and Tyler Bozak is going to be the first shooter for the St. Louis Blues. He brings it in on Darcy Kemper, weaves to the right, weaves back to the left, comes into the slot, shoots in. That's wide of the goal. Also pick it up. Moving just enough to stay on his feet. Brings it in on Bennington. Shoots low and scores. Bring it in. O'Reilly coming to the right. Waits, holds, shoots, and a save made by Kemper. And the Coyotes can win it now with a goal. Connor Garland is going to bring it in for the Coyotes. Move it straight away. Deke shoots and scores. And the Coyotes have beaten the Blues 3-2 tonight. They snapped the Blues' win streak at seven games. And a game where the Blues had a third-period lead. They lose it, then they lose in the shootout, and the streak is over tonight on home ice. All right, some of the highlights from last night's 3-2 shootout loss with the Arizona Coyotes. Blue play, the Blues played very well. There were times in that game where they dominated. Darcy Kemper made some saves. You can definitely make the argument the Blues could have worked a little bit harder to get some better scoring opportunities, but for the most part, I thought they had a lot of chances at the net and good quality chances as well. They just couldn't find the back of the net. Of course, there's that storyline with the Coyotes not landing till 1 a.m., flying in from Washington, and didn't get to their hotel till around 3.30. But that's an NHL team on the other side with a lot of respect for themselves, and they responded nicely against adversity. Probably a trap game for St. Louis coming off of that um, four-game road swing in Western Canada where they swept, coming against a Coyotes team playing on, the, on their back-to-back night. So it was a trap game for Blues, and Arizona's trapped them, and they got the extra two points. But again, it's all about point accumulation in this league, and the Blues are doing that right now. Here's Joey and Curbs on the recap from last night's game. Well, last night at Enterprise Center, the St. Louis Blues fell to the Arizona Coyotes 3-2, the final score after the Coyotes get the team goal for the shootout. Blues had two different one-goal leads in the game. Schwartz from Shannon Petrangelo made it 1-0 in the first. Keller, the St. Louis, and tied it up for the Coyotes in the second. But Pareko is first of the year. This one from Sundquist and Barbashev gave the Blues a 2-1 lead going to the third. Garland would get a power play goal. That would force overtime. In overtime, the Blues had to kill a Coyotes penalty with Petrangelo uh, giving a pass in front of the bench and had too many men on the ice. Penalty was called, but the Blues end up losing in a shootout once again. Nobody scoring in the shootout. It was Bozak and O'Reilly. So the Blues 0 for 8 in shootout attempts this season. And the Coyotes snapped the Blues' win streak at seven games, Joe. And Coyotes came in a tired bunch. They had flight issues, plane issues, didn't get to the hotel till 3.30 in the morning, but they gutted out a pretty impressive victory. It really was. It was impressive. It was gutty. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth, Curbs, and you, and you knew it was coming, uh, especially from a Rick Tockett team. I mean, if there's any coach in the National Hockey League along Craig Berube that's going to find the gumption to motivate his team in the circumstances that they found themselves in a very tough back-to-back, uh, one of the best teams in the East, Washington Capitals, they win a shootout, and they come into St. Louis on the back-to-back back with very little rest we talked about it when the game started the blues start was terrific i thought uh, they came out they came out punching i thought they came out really early the forecheck was there the the middle of kemper was uh, wide open many opportunities that the blues could have exp- 
Bozen took advantage of, got up early in the game. They don't, unfortunately. And with a tired group, uh, the, the longer you let them hang on, the longer you let them kind of wait around and feel it out and feel good about their game and get a little confidence, uh, the worse it gets. And I think, you know, you said it best, I think in that second period there, the, the more you let a team like that wait around, the more energy they get in the third period because finally the end's in sight. And if they're within reach, then they're looking at the clock, okay, 18 minutes, all right, 60 minutes, all right, now 15. And they start kind of building energy. I thought that's what the Arizona Coyotes did. I thought it was an unfortunate penalty on uh, Justin Falk to put the – Coyotes on that power play because up to that point, a two-to-one game in the third period, the Blues were just completely dominating. But you give them the power play an opportunity in the third, they tie the game, they win it in a shootout. Uh, but this, there's some really good things to take from this game. Curbs, uh, a point is a point, as you mentioned. Uh, still have not lost in regulation to a team in the West. I thought five-on-five, five, maybe more more exceptional, uh, fa- um, I would say, um, phases of, of games where we've seen uh, that wave-after-wave approach where you got the Bozak line going, then the O'Reilly line going. I mean, in that second period, I had to count bodies. I could have sworn we had too many men multiple occasions. Uh, the Arizona Gowdies were just completely gassed, and the Blues did some really good things five on five. I thought they were physical. I thought they played probably 55, 56 really solid minutes of hockey, and it's just one of those games where they just the bounces didn't add up at the end of the night. They ran into a pretty good goaltender in Darcy Camper who played terrific and uh, just couldn't get it done with the whole two points. Next up for the Blues, Columbus, Friday night, 6 o'clock puck drop here on the Blues. Radio Network. Blues fall to the Coyotes in a shootout last night, 3-2. to two. For Joe Vitale, I'm Chris Kerber on the St. Louis Blues Radio Network. So there was the breakdown of the network recap from Joey and Kerbs from last night's game, and I thought Joey had a lot of good things to say there at the end. Blues had a very good second period. They ran into Darcy Kemper, who was fresh. He did not play the night previously, and the, and the shootout went against the Washington Capitals. So I've come to accept that losses like that are going to happen over the course of an 82-game schedule. All right, moving on to today's news of the day. The Blues have recalled Clem Costin from the San Antonio Rampage. Costin was the darling of training camp, really turned a lot of heads. Some people would wonder, were wondering if he would make the roster coming out of camp, but I think we all agree that the best spot for him was to start the year uh, at the Rampage or with the Rampage. And, of course, injuries are going to happen throughout the course of the season, and he could get the call-up. And yet now here we are, November 13th. Blues are missing two of their top six forwards. Need some forward depth. Need some bodies to play. Only 12, what, 12, 13 healthy forwards right now for the team. It makes sense to bring up Clem Costin and what he's been doing. The Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stelter uh, had a chance to talk about that as that news broke during their show today. Here's Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stelter's breakdown of Clem Costin getting the call. This just in, St. Louis Blues have announced Clem Costin has been recalled from the San Antonio Rampage effective immediately. Yours truly, St. Louis Blues. Okay, so I don't think they said that. but I was trying to end it nicely. Jamie, we just had this huge discussion on Monday yeah. about not bringing up a young player. We had the discussion yesterday with Doug Armstrong about it. So what? what well, what, he did what, say what, what, that what? they would bring up a young player. In our interview, he said, we will be calling up a young guy because of the way the road trip is. San Antonio will be in Winnipeg this weekend, which is not ideal for a call-up for the Blues. It creates travel problems back and forth and trying to get a guy in for that. So So what was all that extra bake talk, though? Well, okay, so here, let's let's not get carried away. And the the fact that Clem Costin is coming up here is exactly like we have predicted— that he would get a chance to put his toes in the pool at some point. And this is what that is. You know, Troy Brower and Jamie McGinn have 10-day PTOs. That's what Doug Armstrong has set the, 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 the final day at is 10 days. And 
He said that they would not play this weekend, and they'd wait seven days before potentially signing one. So based on all that information, they're left with, they're left with nobody in case of injury or if something happens or if somebody wakes up and they had a bad piece of chicken the mm-hmm. night before, you're out to lunch on that one or dinner. Depends where you're at. Yep. Now, um, Clem Costin coming up. You have to get this guy some reps. Couple reasons. One, you want to reward a young guy for the hard work that he's done for the training camp and the preseason that he had. You don't want him to, as Doug alluded to, yes, you want him to overbake down there and be ready and seasoned and good to go. However, you don't want him to lose that motivation. And that goes back to a conversation we've had before about the communication factor. Well, I wonder if he feels slighted, this, that, the other. Well, they guarantee they've had talks along the way. Doug went down personally to watch San Antonio, said he played well. This is probably a little carrot. Hey, look, here you go. Good job. You're 20 years old. You're still headed back to San Antonio at the end of the day here. But we think you're on the right path. Come on up. Have a look at our locker room. Have a look at how Petro, O'Reilly, Schwartz, Shen, now Brower, McGinn. Take a look at how guys do things. Then take that information, go back to the minors, and become an even better hockey player. That's what this is about. So we're not. This is not a a call up where you're going to be like, well, that's it. Clem Costin's here for good. He's going on the top line with Shannon Schwartz. So what you were return, what what you were referring to on Monday was more of that long term aspect. A hundred percent. Okay. A hundred percent. And right now, I can tell you this: if Brower and McGinn were ready, there would not be a call up right now. This is precautionary, and it's a little bit of a reward. And if this was a week later or 10 days later, it might be Cairo and not Clem Costin. It's all, you know, circumstances. But I do think I do think the kid needs it. Just a little taste. I remember that, you know, you get sent down to the minors, you come up and you get a little nibble at that filet mignon, you know, not the rawhide down in the minors. And you're like, wow, I like this. And holy crap, these guys really work hard. Look at Ryan O'Reilly. I could. I need to be doing this. If that's who I want to be, I need to be doing this. And that's how you create that culture that the Blues have now put in place. And he gets used to Craig Berube. Gets to go through some practices, some video, some other stuff, skills work maybe with Steve Odd or, or with Sean Farrell. This is, a, this is a win-win for the Blues. I was under the impression they wouldn't call up any young player for any amount of time, but... It makes sense. Well, this is a quick hit, right? It's a quick one right. and done. Like you said, it's a thing. carrot. Hey, you're doing a nice job down here in the minors. We've got an opportunity to bring you up. Schedule makes sense. Timing makes sense. You are going to go back down. So I think we all need to manage the expectations here with Clem Costin coming up. But nevertheless, it does make sense to bring him up for a short period. A lot of good points brought up at the end there with Jamie Rivers talking about Clem getting a chance to, you know, get into a a game kind of set up with Craig Berube and his coaching style, like Steve Ott, um, all the other coaching staff and getting with the video coaches and stuff like that. So Clem gets going to get his first taste. Uh, Whether he'll play remains to be seen, but with the kind of lack of bodies, I would imagine he's going to address this weekend. So uh, stay tuned. We'll keep you updated uh, throughout the course of the week here on 101 ESPN. Of course, all your Blues coverage right here on 101ESPN.com and throughout the day on 101.1 on your FM dial.
And with the cost of news, that's a nice segue into our Rampage report. Play-by-play voice of the San Antonio Rampage sent us in a, about a minute and a half clip of kind of giving us a, an update of what's going on with the, with the Rampage. So here's Brian McCormick with the Rampage report. Yo, San Antonio! friends and welcome to the Rampage Report, taking a look down the farm with the Blues AHL affiliate. It was rise and shine for the San Antonio Rampage on Tuesday morning as they hit the ice for a 10.30 a.m. puck drop against the Colorado Eagles. The Rampage threw 39 shots at Eagles goaltender Hunter Miska, but only Cam Darcy's second period power play drive would find the back of the net in a 3-1 Rampage loss. The Rampage went 1-2-1 during their four-game homestand and now head out on the road for a four-game trip, beginning with two tilts in Winnipeg this weekend against the Manitoba Moose. Wins have been hard to come by of late, but several Blues prospects are putting up points in the first month of the season. Jordan Cairo is cruising in his return to the lineup, notching two goals and two assists in four games since returning from the lower body injury that ended his season last spring. Dancing his way down the right wing boards and out to center is Darcy. Darcy has it for Cairo. High slot. Rift shot scores! Jordan Cairo with the wrister from the high slot gets it underneath the arm of Troy Grosnick. Cairo also has 12 shots on goal through four games. Derek Pouliot is quarterbacking the Rampage power play and getting results. The Rampage blue liner has 10 points in his last nine games. He's tied for the league lead with eight power play assists and tied for second in the AHL with nine power play points. Nathan Walker and Mike Vecchioni have looked right at home in their new digs in San Antonio. Walker is averaging a point per game and is 10th in the AHL scoring race with 14 points. Vecchioni has six goals in his last seven games and is tied with Walker for the team lead in goal scoring with eight. Here's Austin Pagansky up the right wing board. Gives out to the right point. Borgman walks to the middle. Rich shot deflection scores! Mike Vecchioni with the redirect. The Rampage have a 3-2 lead. Riding the third best power play in the league, the Rampage sit third in the Central Division. That's a wrap from San Antonio. I'm Brian McCormick. We'll see you next time on the Rampage Report. All right, Tony Luffman joined uh, Alex Ferrario last night on our uh, pregame show for the St. Louis Blues Hockey and our Mitsubishi Electric pregame show presented by First Community for our NHL rundown segment we're trying to put together for our pregame shows now. And Alex and Tony went around the league. Uh, they talked a little bit about the Blues, of course. Went into Colorado to talk about Kale McCarr and the season he's having and some of the injuries around the league as well, some stars going down. So Alex touches all that with NHL Tonight host Tony Luffman from the NHL Network. Here's that interview in its entirety. Speaking of St. Louis, Tony, let's start with our first storyline, and that's the way that this Blues team is playing. And I'll go big picture here with you, Tony. Who is real in the Western Conference right now beyond St. Louis? Well, I just want to begin by saying... I apologize publicly to all of St. Louis. I thought there was no way, starting in last January, that your team would win the Stanley Cup. Even when Scott Stevens said he thought they had a chance in January, mind you, in January, and then throughout the rest of the regular season, the postseason, I owe a huge apology to the St. Louis Blues. So I want to begin by saying that. I want to follow that up by saying I don't know that they'll ever lose again. I'm never (laughs) betting against the St. Louis Blues I think they are for real. There is something to that confidence, that swagger that comes from a deep playoff run. And that leads me to my next point. The Vegas Golden Knights are for real. You look at what they've been able to accomplish. I feel like Malcolm Subban's outing against Toronto really validated the one area of concern that I had about them, which was goaltending depth. And it's not an original idea. Kevin Weeks, who sits next to me all the time, said this team is deeper than the team that played for the Cup a couple of years ago and lost the Washington Capitals. And that's a staggering thought to think about how they played in waves and how talented they were that first year of the franchise. Those two teams, I am certain, 
are for real. Another big storyline, Tony, is is directed here in St. Louis because the injuries have piled up. Vladimir Tarasenko, we all know, and now with Alexander Steen's injury, and they bring in two former NHLers to PTO contracts. One's Troy Brower, the former St. Louis Blue, and the other is Jamie McGinn, the former Florida Panther who's been around the NHL for a long period of time. What's the outside view of St. Louis bringing in these two for tryouts? The point is culture. Those two guys are consummate pros. As you point out, both are veterans that we remember contributing and playing at a high level in the league. My biggest takeaway from being around former cup winners, whether it's Dave Reed or Scott Stevens or Ken Danico, is that once you've played in those kind of games and once you have that culture established, you never squeeze this stick so tight. That's why during the seven-game winning streak, it doesn't surprise me that the Blues have won a bunch of overtime games. They've won seven in a row, nine of their last ten, and a group of those games have come in OT. In fact, the leader in OT goals in the entire NHL is David Perron with three. Five of the wins have come out of the seven in OT. So my point is they're so inclined to excel and they are so built into that culture that I feel like even though Vladdy goes down, and even it's not to take anything away from Steen. And by the way, Steen and Colton Pareko, I am a fan of theirs for life. That young lady that was such a huge story during the cup final last year, the way they treated her, I am not supposed to root for anybody. But my goodness, I was rooting for the St. Louis Blues, and then they, they you know give her the cup. I, I am getting goosebumps just talking about it. The class of that organization, all the way to the top, Doug Armstrong, that guy is ready. He knows what he's doing. And when those two guys went down, I think these are two excellent choices to come in, fit in seamlessly, and the Chief is going to have them understanding the way the Blues play because it's really, really a thrill for them to come in and be a part of a buzzsaw like this team is right now. Tony Lefman of NHL Network with us here for our NHL Network rundown. So, Tony, let's stick in the Central Division. Another storyline I know a lot of people are focusing on is the rookie, Kale McCarr, the defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche. Four goals so far this season, but he continues to rack up points and be very influential in Colorado's success. Alex, I'm doing the Hulk Hogan. You know where you would put his ear up and, like, lean? (laughs) I'm doing that, my hand to my ear. No one in Colorado is talking about Tyson Berry. Spot on, unbelievable, great point by you, because this guy is so good. And every defenseman, starting with Scott Stevens on down the rest of our roster, they say it takes a while for a guy to feel confident, comfortable. We saw Rasmus Dahlin last year with Buffalo. He had some moments where he looked less than ideal. Not with Kale McCarr. Start with him being a Hobie finalist last year. Then he comes on for the playoffs, scores six points in ten games. I thought to myself, does he really get it? And the answer is yes. It's not that he doesn't know what he doesn't know. It's not the arrogance or the overconfidence that a young player might have. This guy knows exactly what he's doing. Not that I know, but the guys that sit next to me, they rave about his entire game. Not just point production, but the way he plays. The one thing I've noticed, because they pointed it out, Scott Stevens and the other guys, is that he's not in a rush. Most of the time, a defenseman, any NHLer, when they first get to that level, it seems like it's going a million miles an hour. That happened to Jack Hughes early this season. He had those first few games out of the gate where he didn't score. Number one overall pick, granted, different position, but same concept. 
for Kale McCarr, and this is why he went fourth overall, there's been no transition. I mean none. The guy is unbelievable. And despite the fact that Colorado has been beset by crippling injuries, they continue to be effective thanks in large part to what he's doing on the back end. Well, and that's my final storyline with you, Tony, that I want to address is the injuries piling up throughout the NHL. Kind of a big hit when you look at the stars that are out. Of course, Vladimir Tarasenko, as we mentioned, but you talked to Colorado when you lose uh, – Gabriel Landeskog, and you also lose uh, Miko Rantanen. Pittsburgh's without Sidney Crosby, and Toronto's without Mitch Marner. It is a very physical, very violent game. It's what we love about NHL hockey. I think about the other night when I was working, and Pierre-Edouard Belmar went down, and it resulted in a three-game suspension for Felino, who is the opposite of a dirty player, a very honest player, a hardworking player, we saw last year in the Stanley Cup final, Zdeno Chara take a puck up high and get his jaw shattered, and he keeps playing. What we love about hockey is the physicality. Unfortunately, whether it's big stars or lesser-known players, everybody is vulnerable, and it's upsetting to see it happen. I'm a huge Crosby fan, so I'm sad that he's not going to be in the lineup tonight. But what amazes me, totally amazes me, and one of the myths in sports is next man up. There's no way you could have convinced me that once Tarasenko went down, the Blues were going to be okay. They've been better than okay. I love watching the way the teams adjust and adapt when some of their biggest names are out. We've seen it with Colorado. I I go back a few years. Dan Bilesma is a friend. He's now an assistant with Detroit. He won the Jack Adams, if you remember, a few years back when Pitt had to deal without Crosby, without Malk, and they still had 100 points. This is the essence of sports. Can the next man really step up? Those storylines are fascinating to watch throughout the entire NHL. Could not agree with Tony Moore there about you know guys getting their chance and uh, filling roles and, and being able to showcase their skill set uh, and getting a chance through injuries. Yeah, it sucks that a guy goes down, but that also gives an opportunity for someone to prove themselves because you definitely do not want to be Wally Pipped. Big thanks to Tony Luffman joining us last night on our network pregame show for the St. Louis Blues Hockey Broadcast. Well, that's going to wrap it up here for this episode two of the Daily Blues Broadcast. My name is Dan Betlock with you. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow with Blues coverage. Blues are off until Friday when they travel to Columbus to take on the Blue Jackets. Until then, remember, folks, go see a ball game often. Follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. I'm Dan Betlock signing off on the Daily Blues Podcast.